If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode seven of the Accelerator Light on the Australian Business Podcast, our 10-week bootcamp for rapidly improving your profit and business growth. In this free 10-week program, we give you the absolute essential tools for maximizing the opportunity right in front of you. Now, when I say 10-week program, we've been a little bit delayed on these episodes because it's been absolutely frantic trying to keep up with all of the emails and inbound interest for our new accelerator program. As always, my name is Owen Rask and together with Jordan and Daniel, we have over 20 years of collective experience running, researching, investing in and advising private businesses. We've put all that into these 10 short episodes and given you a condensed version. Please remember with the launch of the accelerator this month, We're offering you a taste of what's available in the online program and the community and coaching sessions that come along with that. If you're a business owner, you should become a full member while you have the chance to join us for a discounted rate. What we've realized so far is that offering $2,500 admission to the coaching program and accelerator for life is significantly cheaper than anything else in Australia. In fact, our program for life is equivalent to about two months of the other major program in the country. So meaning you can get two months of that one or you can get a lifetime of ours before the launch date. So you can do the math, which one is better value. Um, I hope you know which one to pick. Chances are you can pay for the coaching and accelerator program through your business bank account and it's likely tax deductible. Yes, that's from my chartered accountant friend, Daniel. You can use the I'm Pretty Cute link in your podcast player to sign up today. That's the I'm Pretty Cute link in your podcast player. In today's episode, 
Normally, I'd be covering three different topics, but for today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to cover one topic in a little bit more depth and then talk about the other subtopics of sales in a bit more, I guess, passing tense and make it a bit snappy. So sales isn't always fun. It typically means putting yourself out there. You've probably heard the cliches like the man in the ring and things like that. There's a famous investing quote, which I quite like because it applies to this type of situation. The quote is, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. Those are some great words by Rob Arnold, a famous investor. Now, what makes these words so correct, in my opinion, is that you've probably felt it before where you felt quite uncomfortable. Maybe you feel exposed in putting yourself out there. Maybe it's public speaking. Maybe it's maybe you're a physiotherapist and you know you've got to go to your local footy club and say, hey guys, this is what we do. Come down and talk to us about any injuries that you might have. Getting up in front of a room full of men or women might seem a little bit daunting. But again, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. And so as a business owner, you have to get used to this idea of selling yourself, and it doesn't always come natural to us. So throughout this episode, I'm going to give you a few tidbits on what you can focus on so you can spend less time doing it and make more money as you go. The first thing that I want you to focus on is actually having a sales funnel. This might sound so shallow and cliche, but actually having a sales funnel is the single most important thing you can do when it comes to sales. I want you to think about a few things. Where does my marketing start and end? So where does the marketing funnel begin and where does that end? Maybe you have a team member that oversees that for you, someone who does the leads but isn't the salesperson. Where does that start and end? Where does my sales team come in? Like, where does the sales funnel begin and where does that end? Can the sales function be automated? Does the marketing system talk to the sales system? I know a lot of businesses that use a marketing tool or software for one thing. Maybe it's like high pages for tradies, but then the sales process is a very manual process where people actually go out and they don't really take any notes or build any IP on their potential customer. Can those two things talk to each other? I think they can. If you have a larger team, it's really important that you work with your sales and your marketing teams hand in hand. Or if you have a customer success or product team, maybe try putting them in the same room together. I know some fantastic businesses that put their sales team right next to their engineering team. And the reason is so that the engineers can understand what's being said about their product and what are the some of the issues that the sales team are facing when it comes to getting conversions for the business. Conversely, the sales team can understand what the engineers are working on to an extent and understand and make sure that they're kind of speaking the right virtues of their products and services and so they don't overpromise and underdeliver, leading to high amounts of churn or a lack of conversion. Number 2 is selling the transformation and not the widgets. A lot of people, when they come to the sales function as an engineer, they'll think about all of the different services and widgets or features that a product or service might offer. They might 
compare a product to another product. They might compare one competitor to another and say things like, this one's 10% cheaper and offers 40% more mileage than that one. Not really realizing that people make decisions based on emotion, not logic. The old cliche is people buy on emotion and justify logically. They buy emotionally and justify logically. Oh, I needed that $200 dress. I'll wear it more than once. So you can see the emotion is buying a $200 dress and the logic to justify it or the rationale is I'll wear it more than once. A lot of people think that when you sell something, you should be focusing on the features and widgets. After all, that's probably what you'd look for if you're buying a car, the specifications. But when it comes to most products and services, it has nothing to do with the widgets or the features and has everything to do with how you make someone feel. So how do you understand what it is that you're actually selling and make someone feel what you want them to feel? The first thing, and this comes back to our marketing session, is actually just knowing your customer. Who are they? Look at them in the face as they walk into your shop every day. What do they look like? What is my customer avatar? Another thing you can do is just get feedback. Ask them, what products or services do you like and why do you like them? How did did our products make you feel? If you're selling gelato on a busy street corner, you probably know it makes someone feel good about themselves and they walk away with a smile with a big gelato in their hand, knowing they just took some time to pick through all of the different flavors and have a bit of fun while they're doing it. Now, you can't tell me that someone makes a choice of gelato based on the number of nuts or the different flavor ingredients before they make their purchase. They do it on the look and feel of your shop. So why would buying anything else be any different? I want you to understand what problem do you really solve? Many businesses simply solve for time. They make a customer's life easier by taking away some of the unnecessary time they have to commit to a certain product, service, or offering in their business. I'll leave you with a quote from the late Charlie Munger, the billionaire investor and architect that many of you may have heard of. Charlie once recounted this story of going into a local fishing shop. He said, my God, they're purple and green. Do fish really take these lures? He asked. And the store clerk said, Mister, I don't sell to fish. The reality is most of us buy things based on how it makes us feel. So the next time it comes to selling something, Focus on the transformation. The next thing I want to talk to you about is a sales script. Given that most of us don't really like sales, most of us don't really want to put ourselves out there, I want to walk you through a very simple sales script. This is something that we've written down in a Google document and we would run through with you on the phone or give it to another team member to run with you on the phone. I want you to follow this very simple process if you have a phone call with a client. The first thing you need to do is obviously just build rapport. Be polite, ask them how their day is, and see what they're up to. Now I want you to ask them to imagine a future state. Get them to think about that future state. 
In the case of a business, maybe it's what do you want your future to be? What will you be doing every day instead of what you're doing now? The next question is, what's been holding you back? Again, if you jump on a sales call with Jordan, you might hear him ask you this question. What's been holding you back? Are there any pain points in your business or things you need to overcome? The next question is, how do you think working with us would overcome those challenges? How do you think our product would help you overcome those challenges? You'll be amazed what your customers will tell you. If your marketing funnel has done the right job, your customers may be able to imagine a way that your service could already help them. And if you haven't already guessed it, what we're trying to do is let the customer sell the product for themselves. The next question is, what tools or resources could you be using to your fullest potential but aren't? This is where we try and get them to unlock the creativity in their brain. They want this future state, they've recognized some of the challenges, but what tools or resources could they be using? And this is where things get interesting because just by sitting in front of them or on the phone, they're probably going to say, well, I could use your services or I've been waiting to reach out to someone like you to try and get your help with X, Y, and Z. So now when it comes time to actually selling them something on your sales call, they already know about the product, they know what it's for, they know where they want to be, and they've already recognized the challenges. Now it is so easy for you to close the deal. You have a very simple sales script of asking them to imagine their future state, what's been holding them back, thinking of ways that they could overcome those challenges by working together with you, and the tools and resources they need to reach their full potential. That's all you've got to do. Walk them through your version of that script. Now, you're probably thinking that might work for some businesses like your coaching business, Owen, and it does. It can work for most sales-based businesses that have an either in-person or on-the-phone functionality in their sales channel. Whatever you do with your sales script, you'd want to write it down so that in the future you can iterate, but also you can hand that off to someone else who can step into the sales role very quickly and very easily, knowing they have a proven script that takes away some of the daunting aspects of having a sales call. But if you don't have a similar business to this, or you think maybe that's a bit out of touch, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, after listening to this podcast, I want you to do something very, very simple. Think of the best prospect or lead that you have in your sales funnel right now. Chances are that person is already a customer. Who are they? Who is that person or business or customer that could buy from you today? Go out there and give them a call. See what they're doing and you never know what will come from it. One of the biggest things that you'll hear Jordan talk about on this podcast is selling to the people that are right in front of you, the customers you already have. There is no customer acquisition cost and the sales funnel is already warm. Now I've got two more points I want to cover off with you quickly. The first one is the single source of truth. This is about knowing that you have a centralized database for your customer management software. Some people know this as a CRM, a customer relationship management tool. It's basically a way for you to keep track on all of your customers in a systemized and programmatic way. The leading example of this is Salesforce, which is a very expensive piece of software. 
when there are alternatives, such as a spreadsheet, such as a MailChimp account. A CRM enables you to understand the touch points of your customers, prospects, and even your returning customers long into the future. One of the tools that we recently started using for the Accelerator, which is now known as Inflection, is ActiveCampaign. ActiveCampaign handles all of our email automation, as well as a bunch of other automations like forms and collection of information from our customers and prospects, but it also is an inbuilt CRM. Just like HubSpot or one of those other platforms like Zoho, you can use ActiveCampaign for a pretty reasonable price and you can use it for all of your automation, tracking down your customers one by one or even at a mass market scale. You can send them automated SMSs and so much more. One of the things that is a really important thing to do with your business, especially if you don't have that many clients coming through your funnel, is ask yourself, should all my clients be treated the same? Should all my leads be nurtured in the same way? The answer is no. This is why you've probably heard of something called lead scoring. Lead scoring is the process of basically trying to put a score against every prospect or potential customer in your sales funnel. One of the ways you can do this programmatically is using a tool like ActiveCampaign. You can add scores when certain actions are undertaken throughout your sales funnel. These might be things like downloading a free report, visiting your website, opening an email, calling you, clicking a link, and so on. I want you to think back to that person that you're going to call tomorrow and get the sale done. Who is that person? I bet they're kind of a hot lead. They're probably not one that's gone cold or has decayed over a few months. The idea of lead scoring can be done by just about any business. For example, if you're a builder right now listening to this, and maybe you're looking for jobs for that three to six month pipeline, who are the potential customers in that pipeline? Could you rank them from 10 through to 1, 10 being best? Now you have your sales funnel and you've prioritized your potential customers by a score. Of course, sometimes this is easier said than done and setting up the right systems the first time is the key to unlocking this superpower in your business. But the basic idea with lead scoring is that you have to have a way, a place a single source of truth to measure them and to record them. It could just be a spreadsheet. You should add points for good behavior with customers being engaged with your brand and take points away for decay or other things. In a mortgage broking business, for example, after speaking with a customer, you might know that, hey, this person is a first home buyer. They've got a hex debt and a credit card. I spoke to them and they told me that they have a few other debts as well. So I've told them to get rid of those debts and come back to me. In your notes, you may ascribe a score of six or seven out of 10 to that client versus another one that doesn't have any debts, who may be an eight or a nine. That's a very simple lead scoring checklist. Finally, I want to talk to you about something which I've spoken about on the podcast a few times. This comes from a 1970s book written by Professor Robert Cialdini. It's actually ironic that I mentioned Robert Cialdini because he was one of the people who was most highly quoted by the great Charlie Munger, who I referenced earlier. Cialdini's book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, was a book originally written for people to withstand the persuasive techniques of salesmen and women. 
Ironically, however, the book ended up being a fantastic guide for salesmen and women to persuade customers. He later wrote a book, many decades later, that was called Presuasion, and a book that aimed at helping people withstand the effects that he identified in his first book. The six principles that he identified in his first book of persuasion are as follows. And as I go through this six-part list, I'm going to give you examples of this podcast. So it kind of hits home of what the principles are and how they are used to persuade people, either in a marketing or sales funnel. Or if you really want to know, you can use all of these tools in your own life. As a website that I read recently once said about the six principles of persuasion, by understanding these rules, you can use them to persuade and influence others. Of course, doing so isn't always an ethical thing to do. Nonetheless, here's Cialdini's six principles of persuasion as applied to this podcast. Reciprocity or reciprocation. If I scratch your back, you scratch my back. In a traditional online business, say like the Rask business, one of the best things you can do is give, 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 take. Give so much value to your podcast listener or to your newsletter reader or to your member that they think to themselves, now I kind of owe this Owen guy. Maybe I should buy one of his services or come to an event. The idea of reciprocation is pretty well understood. That when there is an action, then there is a reaction. Listening to this podcast is a great example. So many people have got so much value from this podcast that they've decided to join our accelerator. And to be honest, I'd like to think they haven't been disappointed. But the idea of reciprocity or reciprocation is this idea that you give something to your customer in return for a future action. Think about what you could give for free or for a very small fee to encourage a future behavior, which is a payback. Number two is scarcity. You've probably heard those calls like sale ends tonight. Here for the accelerator program that we've been running this month on the Australian Business Podcast, you will know that we initially set the limit at 20 pioneers, just 20 business owners that could join our pioneer program for $2,500. We sold out in around about 36 to 48 hours from memory. And now there are dozens more that want to join. The idea of scarcity is that you give someone a reason to act soon. Scarcity or urgency can create an artificial persuasive technique inside someone to get them to act sooner. Number three is authority. Acting with authority speaks volumes to how someone might behave. For example, if someone dressed up in a police uniform and walked right past me and asked me to do something, I'd probably do it, yet I'd have no way of actually telling if they are in fact a law enforcement officer, which is why there are such strict rules about that. The idea of authority can also come through this podcast. We have over 10,000 business owners that listen to this podcast, not one, not two, and not five, 10,000. The idea of authority is powerful because as you can imagine, if someone has authority, appears like an expert, they will actually be more likely to convert than someone that just seems kind of meek and unsure of themselves. Charisma does sell. Number four is commitment and consistency. There are some famous stories of people as prisoners of war 
who would do something very innocent when their captors would tell them something like, hey, do you want to write that letter home? Tell your friends and family where you are and how you're feeling. And in the next letter, they say, in this letter, well, why don't we say something about how good you're getting treated or the food that you're eating? And then in the next letter, they might say something like, you know, why don't you talk about the values that we have? Sure, you might be a prisoner of war, but why don't you tell your family back home how you're feeling? Really, what's happening is the person, in this case, the prisoner, is committed to an act of writing home and they're going to be consistent with that. And because of the next persuasive technique, which I'll bring in in a moment, they're more likely to follow the authority of the captor and follow their instructions over time. When someone makes an act towards something, they have an artificial bias inside their brain, which makes them more consistent with that act over time. It's like when you go to McDonald's. The hardest part is actually getting there and convincing yourself that it's a good idea. But once you're there, you order the entire large Big Mac meal. That's commitment and consistency in action. You made a previous move to go to McDonald's and now you're being consistent with it and it doesn't feel as hard to overcome ordering a Big Mac as it was just to go there in the first place. Number five is likability or liking. When you like someone, you're much more likely to act in their interests, even if it is contrary to your own. So if you like someone, you like this podcast, maybe you like Daniel's voice every Friday as he answers your questions, you're more likely to act in accordance with what Daniel might tell you versus if you don't like him or you don't like someone else. The reality is we try to make you feel like you like us and we're likable types of people because at the end of the day, that means you're going to listen to this podcast more often. In a sales funnel and in a sales situation, giving the impression that you're a slimy salesman is not a good look and it leads to much lower conversions. You're much more likely to get a conversion if someone actually likes you in terms of the way you present, how you communicate, and how you connect with them. If you try and befriend someone and it seems artificial, they'll see right through it and they won't like you. Finally, the sixth principle of persuasion, social proof. You've been to a website and you've probably seen a few testimonials at the bottom of that website, or maybe you've seen the Google reviews or even shopped on Amazon simply because the reviews were good. Recently, I went on amazon.com.au and I looked for the most highly recommended products in the world. And what were they? One of them was the Scrub Daddy Sponge. While I'm recording this podcast right in front of me here on the screen, I've got an email from a Rask user who said, that they love the Scrub Daddy reference and they've been using Scrub Daddy for over five years. This is an incredible thing that you see social proof in action, first through the Amazon reviews and then someone else writing into us to say, hey, I heard you mention the Scrub Daddy on the show. I like that too. Social proof is a powerful force and you've probably heard the stories of things like really bad acts like homicides or murders happening on streets and whole communities not doing anything about it, because if no one else is doing anything, maybe it's just a ruse. Maybe it's not actually a real murder. Now you're thinking, that can't be right. I'd encourage you to look it up, because this tendency is that powerful 
that it can force people to do things that they never thought they would in the past. There have been many experiments that follow the social proof principle right through to its very end. So there you have it, Cialdini's six principles of persuasion. We've got reciprocity, or I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Scarcity, hurry, this sale ends soon. Authority, there's 10,000 people that listen to this podcast. Commitment and consistency, well, now that you've listened to this one episode, why don't you subscribe? Likeability, everyone likes Daniel. And number six, social proof. There are so many people that listen to this podcast and so many people that are joining our accelerator. There must be something in the water. Why don't you come over and join us? So in this episode, I've covered sales. And while it might seem a bit all over the place, there was so much to cover that I just wanted to get some of the essential ideas out there. Number one was that the sales process isn't always fun, but as a business owner, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. Let me put that another way. What is profitable is most likely uncomfortable. Obviously, don't go too far because that would be too much. Number two, have a sales funnel. Just know where your marketing funnel ends and your sales begin. Where is your sales team located relative to other parts of the business? Number three, sell the transformation, not the widgets. Remember, the fish don't buy the green and purple lures. The humans do. Number four, the sales script. Make sure you have one. Follow the simple steps that I laid out or make your own and just repeat and iterate until you get the best sales script in the business. Number five is the source of truth. Having a single source of truth will enable you to create a lead scoring system, even if it's just this Excel spreadsheet or some way of noting down who your customers are and a little bit of information about them. Whenever they call next, you'll know exactly whether they're hot or cold or in a state of decay. And finally, Cialdini's six principles of persuasion, reciprocation, scarcity, authority, commitment and consistency, liking and social proof. Remember, these rules are powerful and they will influence people, whether they're customers or your family. So using them isn't always the ethical thing to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Accelerator Light. In the next episode, you will hear from Daniel. Daniel will be taking you through financials. If you've ever been a bit cross-eyed whenever you look at your zero statement, or you don't even know what zero is and can't even log in, the next episode is the one for you. Inside the course, we will be running through financials at significant length. Daniel has already prepared multiple slides and multiple presentations to run through with the group. The key thing to keep in mind with financials is it might involve some numbers. And we know podcasts aren't a great way to deliver things with numbers. So if you want to, you can head to our website, give a give us a call, book a free strategy call with Jordan on the Inflection website. We've also got the free course that's available to anyone who wants to take it. There is so much good information out there. Sticking your head in the sand and avoiding your financials is rarely a good idea. Let us know if you need some help. We're always happy to point you in the right direction. All right, don't forget that link in the podcast player is I'm Pretty Cute. It's available in Spotify, on Apple, wherever you're listening to this. Get it now. As long as you're not driving, click that link and I'll see you on the other side. Bye for now. Thanks for listening.